Well, Merry Christmas. I wanted to say that to you. Got a couple of things I want to want to say before I jump into my message. First thing I want to do is wish you a Merry Christmas and thank you for your vote of confidence for me to be your interim pastor. I am humbled and I am very, very thankful for the opportunity to serve along beside you as we see God's kingdom grow here right in Camden, South Carolina. So I appreciate that very, very much. I will be uh, leaving here fairly quickly after my message. I have to travel to Anderson, South Carolina. I've got to be there by 3 o'clock. My niece is getting married. And uh, she is expecting her Uncle Bobby to be there. (laughs) So I'll be moving out fairly quickly as soon as I finish up my message. So I hope you'll understand that. And I'll be back with you uh, uh, the first of the year, hopefully. If you you have your Bibles with you, turn to to Luke chapter 1. And while you're turning to Luke chapter 1, let me ask you a question. Have you ever encountered an angel? You ever seen an angel? I've never seen one. I felt the presence of one before. I'm sure you've heard some angel stories. I've got one that uh, I like to tell a good friend of mine, Scott Carroll. Scott and I served together at the convention several good many years ago. Scott was our youth evangelism director for several years, and Scott uh, loved to ride his motorcycle. And he was headed home one day, was in his neighborhood, and dog ran out in front of his motorcycle. He hit that dog, was thrown off, the, off his motorcycle. Thank goodness he had a helmet on. And uh, while he was laying there in the road, he says, this is a story, he says, while he was laying there, he said, a nice-looking man walked up to him. He said he had a nice-looking uh, golf shirt on. And this man, he said, looked at him and said, called him by name and said, Scott, you're going to be okay. He said, the ambulance is going to come. They're going to put a neck collar on your neck, but your neck's not broken. And you're going to be okay. You kind of bummed up a little bit, but you're going to be fine. And then Scott said, that man turned and walked away. And Scott said, the ambulance came, and they got him up in the stretcher and got him on the ambulance and went to the emergency room. Said when he was in the emergency room, he said all the doctors and nurses were working on him and stuff like that. And he said, for just a minute, everybody left the room. And that man appeared at the foot of his bed again and looked at him and smiled and said, Scott, you're going to be okay. And about the time all the nurses and doctors came back in, that man disappeared again. And Scott says, when he got out of the hospital, he went back up to that hospital and asked a lot of the doctors and the nurses if they knew who he was. And they said they'd never seen him before. Kind of like an angel story to me. That's what Scott says too. An angel story. Over here in Luke, we see another angel story. Luke chapter 1 starting with verse 5. In the time of Herod, 
king of Judea. Now, when you read that in the time of Herod, king of Judea, let me tell you something. That means that it was a very tumultuous, dark time in the history of the Jewish nation. Herod was not a good king. He was a tyrant. His outward uh, life, he served in Judea as king of Judah from 40 B.C. to 4 B.C., 36 years, if my math's right. But he was a tyrant. Outwardly, he looked pretty successful. He, he helped build the temple in, in uh, Jerusalem. Now, that temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., even today, the very Orthodox Jews go to that, you ever heard of the Wailing Wall? That's part of that temple that Herod had built. So outwardly, Herod looked pretty successful. He had the temple built. He built other temples throughout the countryside to other gods, to other pagan gods. But Herod was a a very ruthless ruler. A lot of blood was shed in Herod's reign. Anybody that opposed him, he had them killed. Even his own family hated him. It's said that when he died, his, his, his family didn't mourn him and the Jews hated him. That's not a very good legacy, is it? So that's the kind of the backdrop. That's what was going on when these angels appeared. So in the time of Herod, king, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Now, there were 24 groups of priests. They call them orders. 24 groups of priests. There were a lot of priests, thousands of priests, all from the lineage of Aaron. Now, Abijah was the eighth order or eighth group, and that's the one Zechariah was in. <clears throat> and his, he, he belonged to the, to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So we got Zechariah, a priest, Elizabeth, his wife, her father, was a priest. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had one little problem. They had no children. Had no children. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well aware along in years. She couldn't have children, and she was too old to have children. So she had a double problem here. Reminds me of uh, Greg Stevens and his wife. Greg uh, joined our men's Sunday school class uh, a while back. and We had a Sunday school class called our camo class. I talked about that. One of the times that I was here, we call it calling all men out. We, we were in a, 
in a house behind our church at the time, and we decorated that little living room. It was like you walk into a Bass Pro Shop. I mean, it had camouflage everywhere. Camo means stands for calling all men out, and deer heads on the wall, and sofas and recliners. Well, well, Greg came into that group. I didn't know it at the time, but Greg had just left his wife. He'd walked out on his wife. He just said he didn't want to be married anymore. Tired of being married. Said there was nobody else in his marriage. He just didn't want to be married. He moved it back in with his mother. But he came into our little group there. And at the time, we were going through a manhood study called Men's Fraternity. And Greg began to go through that and began to open up a little bit and tell us a little bit about his life and began to recommit his life to Christ. He, uh, he got back with his wife. And he and his wife wanted to adopt. They couldn't have children. They were kind of like Zachariah and Elizabeth. They couldn't have children because they went, wanted to adopt a child. So they went through the International Adoption Agency, and that failed. That didn't work out. Then they went through a, a private adoption agency, and they were going to uh, uh, adopt a child, and they had this surrogate mother who was going to have this child, and she had agreed to give them the child when the baby was born. So basically, they paid for all the medical bills for this child, paid for all the, all the vitamins that this mother had to take, just did everything, spent a lot of money, loving this mother, helping her along. But when the baby was born, the mother decided not to give the child up. Greg was brokenhearted. He came into our camo class that Sunday morning telling us what was going on, and I mean, he was very, very upset, just like he'd lost a child. Well, the men in that group in that camo class came together, put him in the middle of the, in the, middle of the room, just like we did with Kevin and his wife here, and we came over him and prayed over him, touched him and prayed over him for probably 20 or 30 minutes, lifting him up. Two weeks later... One of the other men in our camo class it was telling his wife about the situation with Greg and his wife and this, little, this, this mother not giving them a child. And This man's wife is a, is a, uh, a doctor at Lexton Medical Center. And she was happened to be talking to an obstetrician there. And he said, well, I've, I'm working with a young lady right now that, that's wanting to give up her child when that child's born. He said, have Greg and his wife call me. So Greg and his wife called him, and they had all the legal stuff in order. Two weeks later, they had a little girl. God answers prayer. But it gets even better than that. A month later, Greg gets a phone call from the grandmother of the little girl that was turned away, saying, can y'all take this little girl? The mother can't take care of this child. I'm too old. I can't take care of this child. Will y'all take this child? Greg said, yes, we will. So now he's got two beautiful little girls, all about the same age. God answers prayer. And that's what happened with, with Zachariah and Elizabeth. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, this is verse 8, was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot. That means he, 
his, his, his name was drawn, drawn out of a hat, I guess, is how they did that. I don't know. They just reached in and pulled his name out, I think. Drawn by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, when he would go in, this was a big deal. As I said before, this was a big deal for him to do that. This is probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to go into that temple and burn this incense. He just didn't get to do it every day. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that my, my niece is getting married today. It's a big deal to her, let me tell you. This is a big deal for him to be able to do that. Probably a once-in-a-lifetime event to go into the holy place. Not the Holy of Holies. The temple was made up of the Holy of Holies is where the, the Ark of the Covenant was, where God resided. And then outside of that, separated by a partition, which was later broken into and cut into or rent into when Jesus died on the cross. But that outer, core, outer area was called the Holy Place. And that's where they burned this incense. And that's where Zechariah was going to do that. And it was a once-in-a-lifetime event. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled assemble worshipers were praying outside. So everybody else, all the priests, everybody out there who came to worship was praying outside while Zechariah was in there. Then, the, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. We later learned that that's Gabriel. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense, that means the, the, side, the side of honor, the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw him, was startled and was gripped with fear. He was afraid. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Same thing the angel, Gabriel, tells Mary when he appears to her six months later. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will, be, will he bring back to the Lord your, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. They say that John the Baptist and Elijah were two people that were so similar alike. It was almost like John the Baptist was kind of like the reincarnation of Elijah. They were strong. They were fearless. They lived in the desert. They served God and loved God. Lived uh, in, the, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn, listen to this, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom and the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Now last time I was here, I talked about uh, fathers and children. And I talked about the importance of dads being dads and the impact dad has on his children. It doesn't say we'll turn the mothers to the children. It says we'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. You realize how much impact and influence a dad has on a child? 
You ever heard of the statistics that if you, if you reach a child for Christ, the probability of that child influencing his family become Christian? Maybe that child becomes a Christian in your vacation Bible school or maybe in your Sunday school. The probability of that child having enough influence to impact and influence that mother and father to become a Christian and maybe even show up at your church, the probability of that happen is about an 18 or 19% chance that that will happen. However, if you reach the mother for Christ and she's the first one out of that family unit to become a Christian... The probability of her influencing her children and her husband to become Christians and maybe even follow her to your church, the probability of that happening, it goes up to about a 28 or 30% chance. She has a little more influence in the family. However, if that father is the first one in that family unit to become a Christian, the probability of the mother and the children following that father to Christ and maybe showing up in your church one day, the probability of that happening it goes up to 97%. Dad has influence. And in most churches, what do we do? Where do we put most of our time, most of our energy, most of our money in reaching who? Women and children. We need to be focused somewhat on trying to reach that influencer, that man. And that's exactly what he's saying here. We'll turn the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Preparation, getting ready. Okay, so we see that Zechariah encounters this angel, Gabriel. Skip on down here to verse 26. In the sixth month, that means six months later, Elizabeth uh, and Zechariah, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Six months later, God sent the angel Gabriel, the same angel that appeared to, 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 to uh, Zechariah, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. The same thing he said to Zechariah. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. He will be great. Listen, listen to what, how he describes Jesus. Listen to these descriptive words. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the kingdom, over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And he says, well, 
power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son who was fully God and fully man. Jesus of Nazareth. Fully God, fully man. Gabriel appeared and brought the good tidings both to Zechariah and to Mary. In the tidings brought from God by the angel to Mary, we have an impressive testimony to the divine greatness of Jesus. In respect to his existence as man, he will be unique in origin, born of a virgin. He will be the only begotten son of God. His God name, God name will be Jesus, which means Savior. He will be holy and completely without sin. He says the Holy One. That means sinless. And he will be the divine king who will reign over his spiritual kingdom forever. Jesus of Nazareth, proclaimed by an angel, Gabriel. I want you to listen to a song sung by a group that you're very familiar with, I'm sure. And as that song is being played on video here, I want you to just kind of reflect about what's coming our way this Christmas. About this angel that appeared to Zechariah and to Mary. And reflect on the good news of the virgin birth and the good news of this Messiah that was sent to us to save us from our sin and to give us eternal life forever. Listen to this song. Reflect on that. And then once we finish up with the song, we'll sing our hymn of invitation. I was walking home from school on a cold winter day. Took a shortcut through the woods and I lost my way. It was getting late and I was scared and alone. But then a kind old man took my hand and led me home. My mama couldn't see him. Oh, but he was standing there And I knew in my heart He was the answer to my prayers Oh, I believe there are angels among us Send down to us 
From somewhere up above They come to you and me In our darkest hours To show us how to live To teach us how to give To guide us with a light of love When life held troubled times And had me down on my knees There's always been someone To come along and comfort me A kind word from a stranger To lend a helping phone call from a friend just to say I understand but ain't it kind of funny at the dark end of the road that someone lasts away with just a single ray of hope Somewhere up above They come to you and me In our darkest hours To show us how to live To teach us how to give To guide us with a light love They wear so with their mercy in our time of need Oh, I believe there are angels among us sent down to us from somewhere up above they come to you and me in our darkest hours to show Just how to give To guide us with the light of love To guide us with the light